Hi, I'm Vivian. I'm a compulsive overeater. Now's the time for the leader to qualify. And I'm going to explain my abstinence, I think, because um, it was important for me to keep it simple. I was a, first of all, I've been abstinent 31 years. Um, yeah. Yeah, for real. And I have a real life abstinence. It's very, quali- it's very quantitative. I was a huge sugar addict. Um, my sponsor said to me, Vivian, why don't you, Barbara Z, who's now passed away, um, why don't you try not eating sugar because she had seen me. And I was like, oh, Barbara, I can't. <laughs> and, and she said, well, why don't you try it for 30 days? And a lot of people can take it back after that. Not everybody has to. And I went, oh, like, okay. And guess what? 31 years later, my abstinence is sugar is a fourth ingredient or more. That's it. So I count all the ingredients, one, two, three. When I get to four, I don't have to count anymore. <laughs> it's, it's not a one, two, or three. That's it. And that means no, sort, uh, no um, sucrose, fructose, no sugar, brown sugar, um, honey. I, I do allow myself the sweet and low type of things because that doesn't seem to set me off. So if there's... Um, uh, you know, artificial sweetener in there, like in the pink and the blue packets, that's okay. Um, but that's pretty much it. And that is a miracle because I was not able to stop eating. So uh, we're supposed to say what it was what it was like, what happened and what it's like now. It, I grew up, I, can, I was addicted to eating and food, compulsive eating ever since I can remember. I was born in New York City. I remember eating pickles and potato chips compulsively in front of the television. So I was under, I was, I don't know, five years old. Um, Just like one, next to me was a jar of pickles. The other, the other hand, the other, the right hand would be potato chips and just one after the other to left hand to the right hand, left hand to the right hand, watching television. I would look at dessert menus wherever I went. I was, and if you can't, you can't see me on the podcast, I I look hot now, okay? (laughs) And to be able to even be satisfied with how I look is a huge gift to the program. You know, most days, and I'm not, I'm not saying, I mean, sometimes, sometimes I can still wake up in the morning and go, you know, I think I'm I'm sort of overweight, and the end of the day go, I look pretty good. So, which is obviously body dysmorphia, but overall speaking, I think my theme song is Brick House. (laughs) Which is, which is a big deal for people like us because we, you know, I could never think, I mean, someone in the audience looking at me incredulously, <laughs> which I love. Um, I never thought I looked thin enough. It was, um, I never thought I was doing it right enough. Anyway, so I grew up um, pretty much, I was addicted to sugar. I am a sugar addict. If you read in the doctor's opinion in the big book in the front where they talk about an allergy to alcohol, I absolutely identified with that because I have an addiction to sugar that is so bad. I, and it made sense to me that it was an allergy because it was something I couldn't stop doing that I, I was just, it was, it was a compulsion to, to just keep eating. I used to watch people in like, you know, skinny jeans and think, how did they do it? And like, how, how, how? So it didn't make any sense to me. And I could diet for some time, but it took a tremendous amount of willpower. My idea was of a diet was not like a normal absence like I have now where you, I can live a day at a time and not have sugar as the first three ingredients in food and still have a very, you know, nice uh, menu and eat well and be healthy. I, 
I, my idea of a diet was not something I could do every day. It was my favorite diet was three cups of uh, buttermilk and uh, with some bran mixed in and buttermilk and yogurt, you know, three times a day. You know, one, you know, like one cup and another cup and another cup. Why? Because I was able to lose weight very quickly with this. But I always went back to uh, eating what, what I was allergic to and things that just made me... I, I couldn't do it as a way of life. The whole thing of doing this as a way of life, having an eating plan as a way of life, having this whole thing with God, this was a whole, like, what? God has something to do with my addiction? So anyway, so I, I never would have thought of this in a million years. Thank God Bill Wilson um, thought of this through a spiritual experience because this never, and Roseanne picked it up because our founder, because never would have occurred to me this is like thinking out talk, talk about out of the box thinking I mean this is nothing like the diet you can get in the latest magazines so I I came to Los Angeles I was working at um, a firm where I it, I was so out of it let me tell you guys I would walk through alleys so that people wouldn't see me because I was so ashamed of how I looked I was about 20 pounds heavier than I am now and I was so ashamed of how I looked I would gather up work on my desk so that I wouldn't have to walk in front of people in the office, you know, as little as possible because I just felt so awful about how I looked this whole, this disease is just so sad. It makes me, you can, you can hear it, it's making me choke up just thinking about it. So I had someone in the office, God, like, put a um, program in my life when I got here. So I came from the East Coast. I went to school. Washington, D.C., it's always been very easy for me to travel. I'm just an, I have the traveling gene. I'm just an easy traveler. And I came to visit a, a friend who lived um, in L.A. who I'd gone to school with, and who had actually gone to school with in London. And we became very close and came out here. But I came out here to sneer at everybody. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think I would like L.A. at all. And I liked it like within an hour. And so I decided to move here. Uh, why? Because everything you want to do here is fine. There's just an incredible freedom here. And luckily in this place where everything you want to do is fine and there's a lot of changes, um, is something that people do here and think it's great, I found program without knowing it. So I'm at work. This woman, Barbara Z, she was, she was a hundred pounder. She was, she had been hundreds and hundreds of pounds. She was, I think she was down to like um, two or three something, and she'd been to four or five something. But she was, she was so funny. She was hilarious, and we really got along well. We hit it off, and she she didn't think I had a problem because she thought that I was so much smaller than she was. But which like so, if somebody says they have an eating disorder and they look a normal size, you know, believe them. Nobody comes up and says, "Oh, I have this horrible, embarrassing disease," and they're lying. <laughs> no. <laughs> so. She said, do you want to go to an AA dance? And I just thought, what a bizarre thing to do. Like, yes, I'd love to. <laughs> I just pictured this bare light bulb and a bunch of men in raincoats just shuffling around. In the <laughs> and she introduced me. I went to this AA dance. And, and um, guess who I saw there? This guy, you know, God, God has always been just very, I don't know, I don't. I could say tricky, but about getting me in a program, but it was in a good way. It's like I don't feel bad about it. I'm like, good for you, God. I'm glad that you used this way. 
uh, I saw this guy on a bus there that I had seen earlier in the day at this small dance, at this small agent, this cute guy, and he asked me out on a, on a date to an AA meeting of all places. And I just thought, another bizarre thing to do. I'd love to. So, so I met him there, and we started dating, and he, at some point he poked me in the hips, and he goes, you need to go to OA. And, and I went, you know, because food covered up all my feelings of hurt. I, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't even feel insulted. I just felt like, really? There's a place for me? <laughs> like, like, there's something for AA that I knew AA worked. I don't know how. I never knew anyone in Alcoholics Anonymous. I must have heard it on the television. It's all I can come up with. That I knew that AA worked and they had the same thing for food. I thought, great. You know, I'd love, you know, okay. So, I went to my first meeting. I remember it was in a, a little kindergarten, like preschool place, because the seats were really tiny, which now that I think about it is really torturous for <laughs> compulsive overeaters. Who thought of this? Uh, who started this meeting? Someone with, you know, masochistic tendencies. So, and I remember my first share was that I used to eat my way through grocery stores and feel that I was saving money. <laughs> And I remember there were big barrels of like, um, this is 1983, this is a long time ago. I, big barrels of raisins covered with yogurt. And those of you who've been here a while will remember these. And uh, nuts covered with yogurt and they pitched them as healthy. So I would like put my paws in and, you know, just, you know. So on the podcast, I'm filling my mouth. And... (laughs) And everybody in the room identified. Everybody in the room, they were like nodding, going, aha, yeah, we get it. And I was like, I can't believe it. I'm being understood. I can't believe it. It was just huge. I knew I'd found my people. And I proceeded to, I hung out with, okay, this is how I approach the program. We are in school. We are in school. You can either go to Harvard or you can go to uh, University of Miami. You know, apologies to anyone who went to the University of Miami. <laughs> you can treat this like you want to get an A and study hard, or uh, like I wanted to do, um, or I can, you know, half measures it, which they say in our big book avails us nothing. I would sooner be in a bakery than half measures this. I would sooner do that. So I, I hung out with all the smart people, which is what I would do at at school and here the smart people are these are the ones who are going to all the meetings who are raising their hand to share who are taking commitments um, basically I, I, I emulated what my um, um, Alcoholics Anonymous uh, group was doing thank God for that example but it also just reminded me of school it still reminds me of school this is like continuing education it never stops really um, because I never become perfect God clearly did not want any of us to be perfect except maybe our dogs <laughs> uh, because none of us I don't know any perfect people except Jasper <laughs> so there's always something to work on um, at any rate I was told to get a sponsor so I got a sponsor I, so I asked Barbara and I was so afraid to ask her and I was like shaking and she was the nicest person in the world and she was like oh I thought you'd never asked me so, fine. so I was like, oh, thank God. You know, I was so, so afraid. So I was very people-pleasing and very, very afraid. And I almost like melted to the floor after I asked her because it took so much effort. And 
And um, she told me to call her every day. And I, I still remember walking around the, um, so if your sponsor says call every day, that's actually a really good thing. You've gotten a good sponsor. Um, I, I still remember walking around the floor with the telephone in my hand, making the first, trying to make the first call to her, thinking, like, what will I say? It was just, like, so embarrassing to me. Like, what will I do? What will I do? So I called her up, and I'm, like, pacing the floor, and she says, are you okay? I go, yeah. She goes, call me tomorrow. Click. That was it. That was it. I found a lot of things that I need to do in program are the worst part of me thinking about them. It's not actually doing them. <laughs> And a lot of things about program are inconvenient. Say getting here super, it's, for me this is super early. If you're a morning person, you know, God bless you. I was up until 2 o'clock watching The Wire because I had to see the next episode. So um, even though it's on HBO Go and I could wait, but anyway, that's part of my compulsion. So I, I started a program. I started, um, I prayed to God even though I did not believe. I was an agnostic. There's a chapter in the big book about we agnostics. That was me. I thought, there's good evidence for God being there, like, you know, E equals MC squared and all sorts of, you know, things like this. That, that how can this be by chance? You know, say biology, things like this. And then, and then there's evidence against babies die, you know, nice people, terrible things happen to them. To me, this was an argument that I had in college and I didn't want to have anymore. <laughs> it's like, this is boring. I hate arguments without an end. I need an end point. So I don't want to talk about God anymore. But here they, they had a whole different approach. Again, something that never would have occurred to me, ever. They just said, act as if. To me, this was like saying, be a hypocrite. They're like, <laughs> like, act as if there's a God. Just pray anyway. Okay. I felt embarrassed praying to God, even though I was alone. I, and, but they said, this is what to do. And I would have stood on the freeway in a handstand. And I'm not athletic, believe me. Uh, anything they said in order for this um, disease, in order to be thin, really. I think it's okay to come here for vanity. Um, because it kept me here. You know, whatever keeps you here, this is a great program. So I prayed to God, and I remember I went to Cafe Casino, and, and I, Barbara's had the suggested abstinence of a, no sugar, which I just thought would be impossible. But I remember walking into Cafe Casino, which was a place where a lot of people from OA used to go at the time. Yeah, old-timers nodding. Uh, they had a lot of healthy food, but they also had this big pastry tray so that like, looked like it was from France. And I walked into Cafe Casino. I still had, uh, I was still taking the bus. I still didn't have a car. And I looked at the pastries and I, I said a little prayer in my head, even thinking like, oh, I feel so dumb. But I walked out. I didn't feel like, oh, I don't want the pastries. But I, I, my feet left Cafe Casino. That was what was important. Here they also say like, just get, get there. You know, um, train your feet so that you get to a meeting. It doesn't matter if I want to go there. It doesn't matter if I want to do my commitment. As long as I'm there doing my commitment, I'm going to recover. So, so I left Cafe Casino, and I, that started my abstinence. Because once I started to pile up some days, I didn't want to lose the days. You know, once you start getting these 30-day chips, 60-day chips. So I had my first year, and I cried. I cried. I did not know how meaningful it was to me. So who's here has under a year? Raise your hand. All right. All right. Uh, if you're like me, I was very surprised how much it meant to me. It was really a very deep thing. So um, I encourage you a day at a time to just stick around. It's really worth it.
So I now I've gone through so many things. I don't even know where I am on time. Timer, where am I on time? Seven, okay. So I, um, I pretty much, I remember sitting around the table. I, the people who were active who I knew then were all 100-pounders. They were all friends of Barbara's. And we'd sit at this big table, and they would say how much weight they lost. And one would be like, you know, 120, um, 90, um, 204. And, and I, they'd come to me, and I'd go, seven. <laughs> and I was, I was so proud of my seven. I was like, I was someone who hung on by my fingernails. Like, oh, God, like, I can't do this. Anyway, so I got, to, I got to a normal weight, and people started treating me differently, and I didn't like it. I was like, how come you didn't think I was pretty when I was, you know, fatter? Like, I want to kill you. And it was really all the anger. My compulsive of reading had covered up a lot of anger. I, need, I needed to do fourth step that they talk about in the big book, where you talk about your resentments. So, like, who you're angry at. But my sponsor taught me that the two most important columns are not what everybody did to me. She goes, don't spend a lot of time in that column. It even says in the big book, you know, this is brief, a sentence or two, what they did to you and what it affected, your pride, ego, um, personal relations, sex relations, um, money, whatever it is. She goes, the big, the best columns where you get your recovery are what is my part, and then she added, living a spiritual way of life, what would I do differently? That is, I, whenever I do that column, like today I'll do 10 steps and I assign a lot of 10 steps. Yeah, I love when people nod. Um, and when I assign 10 steps to sponsees, which every time I hear them getting really angry at something, it's like, oh, time for a 10 step. And, I, and they're all, they're probably saying on the end of the line, shoot, you know, like I shouldn't have, shouldn't have let her know. But every time I do a 10-step or assign a 10-step, the healing is always in living a spiritual way of life. What would I do differently? Somehow I'm able to access God thinking. God is able to come through me and, and I look at problems in a whole different way, which is really what has cured my disease. Five, thank you. Which is really what has cured my disease is um, God is able to. I had a spiritual experience, which is what they talk about in the big book. This is what cures us. It's working with a sponsor and getting commitments at meetings. Is that Terrell over there? Oh, my God, I'm so happy. <laughs> um, for you on the podcast, Terrell's been abstinent longer than I have. So it's got to be like 40 years. Um, <laughs> anyway... Um, Oh, I, that just really threw me off. <laughs> ah, spiritual experience. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it says in the big book, what, what cures us of our disease is a spiritual experience. That's what the book is about. That's what all the service is about. That's what um, talking to a sponsor is about. That's what doing what my sponsor says is about. It's my experience that... God speaks to me through my sponsor. I am able to let go of self-will. And when I let go of self-will, I let God's will come in. So, you know, briefly, I'll tell you what I'm dealing with, like, right now. And I've dealt with so many things. My husband, the worst thing, the horrible, horrible thing, my husband died um, nine years ago. It'll be nine years in May. And... I didn't, you know, I didn't overeat over it. I, in fact, that sometimes I would like lose a little weight and then I'd say, like, how did that happen? And then I gain a little weight back. But pretty much, I, I, as my tailor says, he goes, 
Vivian, you don't gain weight. <laughs> which means I stay pretty much the same size, which is a miracle. A miracle of this program. So I, like right now, my sponsor um, said to me, I want you to embrace the loneliness. And because I, I found that, I found that in relationships with everybody, with friends, romantic relationships, it's very difficult for me to leave. I, I'm not one of these people that, you know, hits and runs. I am not somebody that, that leaves a lot of relationships. I'm someone that stays there even when I don't want to and I'm not even conscious of it. I'm not even, I don't even know. Like I said, to, I just happened to say to her, uh, oh my God, my friend David's calling. Oh, I wish he wouldn't call. He's so boring. Like I, I hate getting together with him, but he's so nice to me. And she said, Vivian, I will help you with that. <laughs> you don't need to be having relationships like this in your life. And I was like, oh, my goodness. When I started doing what she said, she basically said, don't, you know, don't respond. It was so easy. Like, don't respond. Um, even when he would send me, like, you know, flowers for Mother's Day for my dog, I thought, oh, my God, I've got to respond. I've got to go to, you know, the movies and, and anyway she's like no don't and and then I realized there were other people in my life that uh, other friends that I didn't even like that much that I was spending more time with and the ones that I really liked a lot I wasn't spending extra time with them like I wasn't making any distinction it was just if you were nice to me I spent time with you which is I was unaware of for all these years so there's always something to find out so I'm changing that now, and she, and I got out of a relationship like um, a romantic relationship with somebody who, you know, true to my pattern, was I was really good friends with, but I wasn't attracted to. Duh. And it's still, still I think, oh, maybe it'll change, maybe it'll change. Didn't change. So I, I stayed there for a year and a half, and then she's like, I finally left, and I would be honest with him. I would even tell him, like, you know, I don't have the woo-woo feeling for you. And he, and he said, well, give it a year. You know, let's see. <laughs> you know, played right into my weakness. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Okay, because he's one of the finest men I've ever met. He is one of the finest human beings. I mean, whoever he uh, ends up with is a very lucky woman. Anyway, so she said, so now I'm, um, she said to embrace the loneliness. She's like, she's like, you can't get into any relationship. So you're not even allowed to talk to a man. Like, at all. For, she didn't even like to say what, how much time. And I'm just like, okay, because I got, I knew how she had gotten that thing about how I stay with people that I don't even like, and that I knew she knew something about me that I needed to learn. So I'm like, I'm willing. I'm willing to put my will aside and listen to what she, because I feel like it's coming from God. Like, oh my God, God's giving me a message. So she said, embrace the loneliness. And I just thought, she wants me to be lonely? Like, how mean. (laughs) And she said, no, no, you don't understand. And then I heard this Louis C.K. thing. Um, Louis C.K., of course, nothing to do with program, a comedian. But he has this thing on, uh, and I feel like when God is trying to give me a message, he comes to me from all sides. And I will, I'm just going to wrap it up. But it's, Louis C.K. is on Letterman talking about how he want to give his, daughter's cell phone <laughs> and he talks about loneliness he talks about you know young you know that thing in your chest that you you feel it you feel it coming he goes don't he's, he goes don't fight it he goes I heard this Bruce Springsteen song and I felt it coming and he goes I pulled over and I cried like a bitch and and then he said and then 
And then these endorphins started to come in, and I started to feel happy again. It's like nature tries to balance you. Like you, uh, we let, don't let ourselves feel everything. Let yourself feel it. And then so I started doing that. I thought, okay, embrace the loneliness. And here's, and I'm wrapping up with, here's the surprise. I didn't feel any lonelier embracing the loneliness than I had when I was trying to keep it out. And all I did was, it was a mental thing. I just like, okay, embrace the loneliness. And then I let it, I feel my chest open up and I didn't get any lonelier at all. In fact, it's been a couple of weeks now and I feel like the lonely periods have like been lessened. So I will just end on that and thank you very much. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. Aw. If you need to share, please do so with one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Uh, Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast, but I will repeat the questions. Anybody have a question? Yes, sir. Thanks for calling me, even though I'm a man. I like men. Oh, sorry. Can you talk about how your attitude towards God has changed now that you've been a confirmed hypocrite? Oh, yeah. I mean, here's the bottom line for me. Life works better when you pray than when you don't. It's a controlled experiment. I, I approached it scientifically. So like, okay, let's try prayer. Like, I remember the very first thing. It was when I was still working where Barbara was at Communicom. Anybody remembers that? Um, like so long ago, old cable company. And there was this thing that I had to say to somebody that was very uncomfortable. And I thought, let me try this whole thing of them saying, let's let's pray to God first. So I prayed for God for the right words, um, for God to help me in this situation, and it actually went very well. And it was a difficult thing to talk about. It was a confrontational thing, which back then I didn't face. I, I'm much better at, I mean, pretty, pretty darn good now at saying how I feel and confronting things, but I, was, I would bury it behind food then, so it was very difficult. So it went well with me talking about this subject that I was upset about. And I just kept going on, like, here, now let's try praying in this situation, try praying in that situation. Life just works more easily. So that's how I've become, come to believe in God. Now when I see things like, you know, Louis C.K. and other things, I think, oh, God's trying to give me a message. Or, you know, something, sometimes you just think, oh, my God, that's too much of a coincidence. Like the guy on the bus who happened to be at this AA dance. Well, that's pretty darn big coincidence because there's, what, three million people in L.A. at the time. And then I saw there was a place where there were maybe 75 people and he was there. And then I ended up going to program. So, and now I try to, the biggest struggle is trying to align my will to God's instead of trying to change God's will to what I want. So, that's when I'm, I, like, that's my, my prayers are very specific now. They are, it, it fits the situation, like my sponsor said, to pray for the fear to be removed. This is part in the big book that talks about um, we pray at once and fear, uh, immediately our fear is lessened or something to that effect. And, and I like doing uh, the daily meditations too, those books, because it gets my, my mind centered on right thinking. 
which part of our problem, part of my problem was I didn't think correctly. I saw it in a, in a non-spiritual, addicted way. I think I just said it. Um, for prayer, I, I, um, it's not every day. I'll look at these one day at a time type things and read them. Um, and right now I'm doing that one prayer. I will do, it depends, it depends where I am in my program. I, there's always some kind of praying, like right, which praying, you know, for those in the room and in the podcast, is just talking directly to God. Where sometimes I'll just say things to God like, hey God, I'm, um, okay, I'm going to feel the loneliness right now. Or, or hey, something happens that I can't even think what it is. But, and I'll talk about it to God, like something that was mildly upsetting to me. I'll just talk about it often in the car, often yeah. A lot of times, sometimes it's late at night. I'm, I am not a morning person. I mean, I'm really not. So a lot of times, it'll be late at night. If I don't get to it in the morning, sometimes it's at night, you know, before I go to bed, which also counts. So I am, I'm someone who needs to be reminded, but I, I, gosh, I go to five meetings a week. I sponsor seven people. So I'm, and two of them now are in their first year, so we're going through the big book together. So I'm constantly reminded of God and program. So it's really not that hard. Yes? Thank you for sharing. Oh, yes. Okay. So it's asked, what, what have I learned about my amends list and making step eight? First of all, it really is magical. Um, my... My most difficult amends that I had to make was I, I, um, I made the amends list and then there was one I did not want to make. I remember saying, like, and for years in program, I'd be like, I'm not going to make this amends. It was I stole my roommate's mother's engagement ring. <gasps> yeah, audible gasp. So, <laughs> so I didn't think, um, first of all, I never thought I could tell her because she was not only just my roommate, she was connected to all these people I knew. And then everyone would know me as Vivian the Thief. Like, I can't have this happen. Anyway, it was a long story. I'm not going to go into the story because it's about a seven-minute story. But at the end, I got one of the promises. Fear of financial security will leave us. That has been my experience. And I remember when my sponsor told me to do this amend, suddenly um, I got a new sponsor and she said, like, you have a lot of financial security. Have you done your amends? And I went, Ooh, and I knew it was time to do it. And after it was over, I like, I don't. I, I was making at the time no money. And I remember I was, I was doing temp work because I decided I want to quit my job and be a writer. And I was making no money and it was, nothing was guaranteed. And I bought a house. I bought a house, and I never worried about where the mortgage would come from. It was like, you know, I know it, I know I'm a good credit risk. Like I never worried about it ever, and I know a lot of people who have a lot of money who worry about it all the time and live in Beverly Hills and think they're not rich. So it's a state of mind, and so I, I can say my worst amends I've gotten the most um, the most promised benefit from the most like the promises have come true for me in the biggest way. That's what I have to say about amends. Much, you know, what I've been saying. I get very specific about my um, prayers to God. 
I uh, talk it over with my sponsor, and then I take the indicated action. Next. If you ever struggle with procrastinating or being complacent about things that you know are important, have you picked up tools along the way that help you to take that contrary action? Can you be specific? Like, boring. You know, there's tasks daily that I feel like are important to our recovery and to our lives. That do you mean like praying and meditating or? Doing amends, doing ten yeah, steps. Yeah, sometimes programs, sometimes not. Just things that are just like, yeah, but later, later. You know, for program, the uh, sort of general question was: are there are procrastination things in program that I don't want to do. I mean, to me, I'm I'm just trained to do them. I get I get to my I have a home meeting 10 a.m. Monday. I mean, I have 31 years. This is from doing a lot of work. I know a lot to you. Okay, this is, you gotta do a lot of work. This doesn't just come. So I go to, I go to my Monday 10 o'clock meeting. I, um, sponsor four women that are there. I bring the treasury. I, I've been doing it for a while because it's hard to get people that can go at that time. I just, I just make programs something that I do. I, they said you need to make abstinence the most important thing in your life. I took that seriously. I still take that seriously. So it's not an option for me not to do these things. Like, yes, I'm not perfect at prayer. Who is? You know, maybe some people are. I, my Michael, my former boyfriend, is just naturally spiritually talks to God all the time. That's his special gift. So we all have our special gifts that we're better at. But as far as doing program and doing the right thing, returning sponsees' calls, taking their calls. Um, you know, I just do it. It's not a question. I, I don't fight it in my mind. I've already decided. I have decided I'm going to do this. That's the end. No more to be discussed. Back there with the blue hat. I don't really have service above the meeting level. Um, I just sponsor a lot of women and go to the same meetings and, and give service that way. Yeah. Thank you. I have. Thank you. Oh, a specific question. I love this. Okay, so I have. I uh, Sugar is not in the first three ingredients. About, I want to say two or three years ago, actually about more than t- 10 or 15 years ago, I tried adding in honey because I thought, oh, I don't, I don't like honey, and I couldn't do it. I was sucking down those bears, those plastic bears, <laughs> <laughs> to my complete surprise. So I had to throw that out. And I've even thrown out things that are in my abstinence, like um, the skinny cow. Um, uh, damn. Those things. I, I was in the grocery store, and I'm like, look in the back. Look in the back of there are more. There are not enough here. <laughs> and then I knew, oh, my God, I can't have this anymore. <laughs> so I took that out. But a few years ago, I was able to have Greek yogurt, like the Thaya yogurt in the, the cup. And that has not been a problem. But believe me, if it becomes a problem, it is outie. It is outie my life. So, but yes, that is really the truth. That is really the truth. I count a lot of ingredients, and I don't mind being embarrassed. Um, my my parents, I was I was told to. I had a bad relationship with my mom. I'll just go with my mom. I could go with a lot of things, but um, 
I'll go, I'll, was that the end? Five? Five more minutes. Okay. I'll go with my mom. I was told by my sponsor to call my parents um, once a week and just say a few things that were non-controversial. <laughs> right? And, and just check in with them and not ask them for money anymore. Because that's what I did. And I did. And I've been doing that for years. And I did. I had a spiritual experience with that even. Like one day my mom called up and, and said, oh, I've decided to give your brother and you each um, whatever it is you can give them. You can give without incurring taxes. Well, 10000 20 I don't remember what it was. And I didn't have any money at the time, in fact. I was tempting. And I go, oh, I don't need it. That's okay. What? Who said that? <laughs> like, of course, later I called back and I reconsidered. <laughs> but my first instinct was uh, totally from program. Okay. Specific, please. Don't ask me a question that you ask everybody. That drives me insane. Go ahead. Has <laughs> um, your program evolved? From like when you were 10 to like 31. Do the same things. I just sponsor. You know, I can't even know if I can say sponsor more people. I don't. I can't. I don't even know if I can say that. I beg your pardon. <laughs> yeah. Ask another one. And do you give food thoughts? Duh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that question. Sometimes, I, many times, I'm sitting in a meeting and planning what I'm going to have for dinner. All the time. Like. But not just, food. I mean, like, do you get thoughts to, I want to binge? Or I get oh, um, do I get thoughts like I want to binge? Like I want to have a billion cookies? No, I can't say I do. I can't say I do. I don't, I don't get visions of me with sugar plums dancing in my head. I don't get visions of me chowing down in front of a, an ice cream. But I do think, I think of food like a lot. I'm always planning my meals in my head. It's, that really has never gone away. But I'm able to, I'm able to actually eat what I think I'm going to eat. That's what I plan to eat. I was not able to before. And now I think we're, we're done. Is that right or not? 2.45. 2.45. Okay. Specific question. Great question. Okay, so when I feel that, I, I've said when I feel I'm agitated, I use food, what do I turn to specifically that I, um, differently than what I turned to before? Okay, first of all, sometimes it's still food, but it's different food. <laughs> I have a lot of food at home that I know is not, um, not high calorie, that'll satisfy me, it's very crunchy, or it's um, something with sorbitol, <laughs> that, like these, and, and I will name them because I... Like right now, I used to love these ones from Whole Foods, these chocolate puddings, and then they stopped making them. I was very sad. I was like begging the managers for months. But you think I'm kidding. I am not. <laughs> and so now I have these little Reese's peanut butter cups. They're like, they're so like, they're so rich. I can have like one or at the most two, usually like one, and I feel like my sugar thing is satisfied. I... Sometimes I feel like I get little tiny bags of things because I like to finish things. I never get big bags of things. That is a setup for me. So every t- when they made these bite-sized bags, I was like, hallelujah. Because <laughs> then I can feel like I ate all of it. Even if there are only four chips in it, that's okay. I ate the whole bag. I am satisfied. Um, do I also work the program? I mean, you know, you, you may be wondering. 
Um, <laughs> I have done it around that, and still these things come up sometimes anyway, because it's just, that's who I am. I'm a compulsive overeater. I think God is just showing me I still need this program. God is telling me, you, you don't get to graduate. And I, frankly, folks, I don't want to graduate. I know I'm here a day at a time. You know, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how many years I'm going to get, because we live forever in my family. So, um, <laughs> so is that it? Are you you got one more? Okay, give me a, twenty-eight seconds. Very specific. You. Um, let's see. I, in fact, my I, uh, to be completely honest, I have two sponsors because I work three programs. I'm a, Am I allowed to talk about this on this podcast or not? Okay. So, and. For one of them has less time than me, and the other one has more time than me. But I, what's really super important to me is that they that they know what they're talking about. They have to be smart. They have to be smarter than I am, smarter than my disease. And I connect with them, and I'm able to speak honestly with them. So that's really important. Um, anybody looking for a sponsor that you're able to speak honestly about what's going on? That connection is everything. Okay, thank you.